there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This week on The Mike Wise Show, our guest is a very special person in my life. She's a survivor in every sense of the word, and her story is an inspiration to all of us. And she's coming right up. But first, tee us up, Darlene. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Darlene, I'm going to tone it down a little bit this week. My guest is Andrea Shambly, co-author of Capital of Basketball, A History of D.C. Area High School Hoops, along with her late husband, John McNamara. A special guest this week, um, a person who, well, more than collaborating on a story with me, I feel like she's uh, almost a friend at this point. I have no problem calling you that. Is that all right, Andrea Shambly? We're definitely friends, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Andrea Shambly is my guest this week because uh, for several reasons. One, it's the holidays, and I want you to buy her book. It's, I, I mean, I can't say enough about it. It's the number one basketball selling book on Amazon this week. And don't, get, give people the best pitch you can. Um, well, the book covers 100 years of basketball history in the Washington metro area. It covers the people and the events and the accomplishments of people you've heard of who are in the Hall of Fame and people you haven't. Yeah, I, the, the, the capital basketball is something that uh, it, when you talk about a labor of love, um, I met Andrea officially last spring. Um, I knew of her for a long time through her husband, John McNamara, a sports writer at the Capitol Gazette and many other papers. And I um, and and people that don't know this, uh, they should. Uh, John was killed in the Capitol Gazette shooting in June of 2018. And uh, it obviously threw you for a loop. I can't even imagine. Um, I, well, I can't imagine because I've talked to you about it numerous times and I've, I, I feel like I've, I've in a good way felt some of the story and felt some of the pain. I just, I guess with all the publicity and everything else, there is, there's gotta be some bittersweet feeling that the co-author, your husband and his lifelong project, he's not here to see it. Yeah, um, it made the New York Times gift guide this week, and all I could think of was that John would never have suspected that his book <laughs> would be listed and recommended in the New York Times. When he started working on this in 2007, we talked about how it might look if we had to self-publish it, and um, it might not look like a beautiful gift book, but we wanted the stories to be told. Well, now it's both. Uh, the stories are told, and it's a beautiful gift book. And I often think of uh, how proud John would be that his 13 years of research has made it uh, so that people can hear these stories. The 
part of me that is bothered and says more about us as an industry more than um, the quality of the book because it's gotten rave reviews. The Washington Post just reviewed it today. All these people have said great things. It's not even, in, in, I haven't read the whole thing, but I've, I've skimmed a lot of it and I've seen the work put into it. And it, it feels like a, an anthology, like a, a meticulously researched anthology that it, it's almost like, it's not even a, a, a countertop book. It's not even a coffee table book. It's something like, if you love sports and if you love basketball you don't even have to be from dc this is this goes into elgin baylor it goes into turkey thicket and the great games of 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 yesteryear it goes into eb henderson the first black man to i believe be licensed as a physical education instructor in america and who later on tell people i think it's it's great well, a lot of people heard of, of Dr. Naismith from Springfield, Massachusetts, who's credited with inventing the game. Well, the game he invented was a nine-man passing-only game. I mean, with nine guys on the court, how do you find room to dribble? I mean, Re Russell Westbrook and James Harden could never play on that team, by no, the way. No, no. <laughs> Try to put King James on there and he'd take up the whole thing. And um, uh, two people went up to see him to look at this new winter sport because they wanted to stay in touch or wanted to stay in shape for the winter. And one was a circus performer who also um, coached President uh, Teddy Roosevelt in boxing. And the other was E.B. Henderson, who had a doctorate from Howard University. And between the two of these Washingtonians, they turned the game into a five-man passing and dribbling game. And with the tenacious defense that's still uh, something DC is famous for and the teamwork and, uh, and they gave back to their communities and they produced other great coaches and the cycle continues in this town because of their contribution to basketball. And I, I, when I found out how much they accomplished, I couldn't believe that they weren't on equal footing or even higher than Dr. Naismith who invented a game with that was so different. Yeah, I the, the one thing that I loved about it was that uh, you could almost draw a direct linear line between an E.B. Henderson or someone of that elk and, and then go on to Dave Bing and an Elgin Baylor and then straight through the years to, well, John Thompson played it, uh, the old the great Carroll teams. Right, right to Kevin Durant. Right to Kevin Durant. Uh, I guess Cravis Vasquez because he was, uh, even though he's from Venezuela, he came here. Um, shoot. Uh, Markel Fultz, one of the Ndugus. But it, it stops at 2,000, doesn't it? Yes, it does. One, that's 100 years of basketball. Um, coach Morgan Wooten was inducted into the Hall of Fame that year. The famous DeMatha coach. If you haven't heard of De Morgan Wooten, you shouldn't even be listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, I you refuse because you could find out about what a great guy he is. No, I think you need to. If you, have, if you don't know who Morgan Wooten is, you have no business listening to the Mike Wise Show. However, we will take your download anyway. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I met Morgan Wooten years ago in talking at a Dematha, uh, where they call them smokers, where all the guys come back, and it was great, you know. They're and uh, they're all doing cigars and having drinks, and and I'm sitting here. What am, I'm going? What, what am I doing talking? Morgan Wooten's sitting in the audience. This is this is a person who coached Adrian Dantley, coached some of the greatest teams in the his. When people talk about the greatest high school basketball coaches in American history, they, they he's like on top of the list. I mean, uh, you know, like you, you can't even, I don't even, I can't even think of three others. Maybe Willie West, the old guy from Crenshaw in California and a few others. But 
but yeah, Morgan Wooten is is far and away above any any shoot. He's a living legend because he's still with us. He's a living legend, and uh, I couldn't finish this book without him because John uh, finished almost all of the written part of the book. But I found a file that was called "Photos I Want to Use," and John had taken pictures of the photos he wanted to use, and he had arranged to buy some, but he didn't include the captions because he knew who the players were and what game it was and how many points and rebounds mm. that they that they got in those games. So I had to retrace every picture. And, and Morgan had seen almost all of these guys play, maybe not the ones in 1907, um, but, um, but he had seen almost all of them play and he knew who they were. So then I could go to their school yearbook and find out the exact year and game and points total and things like that. But um, he was so gracious and wonderful. And that's, well, that's one of the things that I find remarkable about the book. These guys' accomplishments weren't just on the court. They were on and off the court. And these are human stories mm. and the stories of a city and how how basketball is woven into the fabric of our city. Like some towns are coal towns and some towns live for high school football. Um, and and their Hollywood has, you know, their own uh, personality but this town is really a basketball town yeah and that that part of it i think some people will hear that from washington and they'll go wait wait i i remember being at rfk with joe gibbs and the fun bunch and art monk and daryl green and all those great teams that won super bowls but when i'm with you uh i loved i don't know if it was jason gay in the wall street journal or um or the guy that wrote the usa today article yeah. David Aldridge talked about uh, it. David Aldridge talked about it. At its core, when DC is at it, I mean, you can't just go to the Comcast Center and hear the roar from a, a Maryland crowd. But even when, shoot, when Gilbert Arenas had the Wizards in the playoffs, that building was electrifying because there was a real hope, like, wow, we could we could have another Bullet 78 championship team. And I think when you go back to all the colleges around here, from George Mason and the Miracle Final Four run to back in the day when uh, Georgetown and John Thompson and Ewing won it all. I think that it, at its core, D.C. is just bursting to be that basketball city again in so many ways. And, uh, yeah, the book really brings it home. I, I feel like if people don't know, um, I— did a documentary um, that Andrea basically helped me with. I even put her on the producer <laughs> credit list uh, because uh, WSA 9 afforded me a half-hour special called Survive By, and it was a year after the Capitol Gazette shooting. And essentially what I wanted to do was portray the, uh, the lives of people that are basically uh, trauma survivors of mass shootings in America and your story touched me more than other, more than any of them because I knew John peripherally a little. And we used to eat every now and then at the Maryland game uh, in the press room. We'd sit by each other and talk hoops. Um, I, and sadly enough, you know, everybody's going to everybody is going to know a mass shooting victim in America at some point if this doesn't stop. When did you I guess with the, the hardest part for me, uh, um, if I were in your shoes and um I can't imagine being in your shoes is putting aside that grief for a minute and walking into his room. I, I just uh, walking into his den, which was a very private place for him, which is where he, that was when guys say they have a man cave, that was John's cave. Was, and it was in, and, 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 and the idea of like going in there, I, how long after he was killed, did you, did you sort of make that leap? 
Right. Well, John was one of seven kids, and he asked me very nicely if I would mind if he finally had his quiet space to himself. And I, I didn't begrudge him that at all. So it was his space. And for the past 13 years, he worked on the book. And if I went in there, I knocked on the door and I brought him his dinner. <laughs> and then half an hour later, I'd knock on the door and take the dirty plate away. This, this sounds like, by the way, a 1950s marriage. Yes, it does. And if you know me, you know that is not me. But, um, <laughs> right. but I also took on some extra work in the evenings and I decided to teach a class. So we were kind of side by side on our computers, him in the next room, always there if I needed him. Um, but after he was killed, it took me probably five weeks to even to just go by that door. And mm. I still shudder every time I go by it. But uh, I had to go in there to put his urn somewhere. And um, I saw the boxes of folders that were organized by year and then by school and then by player. And I knew that this was his legacy. He mm. wanted to be remembered as a sports writer. And when I found his electronic files and saw how far he had gotten with it, I said, I, we have to take this across the finish line, or maybe I should say, we're taking this to the hoop and, um, and we're going to get this done. So that's, uh, it took me the, all this year to do it, but mm. it's, it's out now. And it, um, it's a beautiful book. I, we were talking I about how it. we thought it would look like a crappy little self-published book, but it looks like a really nice book. Does it bother you when I said earlier that it's partly our fault and how the industry works that, Somehow they, and Georgetown University Press, who you obviously are thankful for, that they took the um, that they took the leap of faith that you could finish this. By the way, if you don't know, Andrea was a sports writer eons ago, back in the day, before she became an FDA lawyer and, uh, and, and uh, an adjunct professor at George Washington University and all the other things she does. Um, I, I guess what bothers me is like, like that John had to die for it to be sold. He, could, he couldn't sell it while he while he was living. And to me, it says so much about, like, wait a minute, this this was a great book, irrespective of whether uh, you know he was alive or not. And 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 the fact that it was only bought after he passed away, it bothered me in some level. Well, I, that's certainly one way to look at it. Um, Georgetown wants to become the place to go to look for books about our city. Mm. And they had just come out with a jazz book um, that's gotten great reviews. And when I, I, I was cold calling everybody I knew who published books and they said, this is right up our alley. Um, they didn't think they were going to make a lot of money from this or any money either. Um, and, and I realized that, that the mass shooting has gotten people's attention, but, uh, but it's the content of the book that, that made the, the USA Today and the Wall Street Journal and, and the New York Times and the Washington Post like the book. That the book, the stories of the of the people in this town and what they do for their communities and their their kids is really the kind of stories we need these days of good people doing good work. Mm. Well, it, you not only go in it not the book not only details how basketball helped with integration in the district and and I love the fi the five man thing. I, the the nine to five man um, transition is so seminal. It's it's like whatever we love about basketball now. And to me, it's 
I once described it as the sublime choreography of teamwork that no, that sort of giving yourself to the good of the group and five becoming one. It's such, and John loved that. Like John, John could talk about that all day. Like not that, you know, he didn't care if you were the greatest player, but if you fit in to that. And I remember we would have uh, conversations about Dave Neal. Dave Neal was this guy from Maryland that was, he, he, he had, he had calves as big as a fire hydrant. He, he was the circumference of, of the marshmallow man, you know, the, the state puff marshmallow man. And he, there was no reason why Dave Neal could have been a division one basketball player, except he filled the role on a great Maryland team that uh, still broke my heart. The 2010 team in Spokane that lost to Michigan state. Um, I, I think why a lot of the reason why people wrote about this book too, is because it, you know, and, and I called it this, but you know, the whole love and basketball thing. You, this was, this was your way of, you know, uh, of showing what kind, of, not just what what kind of person you are, but what kind of love you had for your husband, and what kind of love you still have for your husband. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about it. That's true. Um, John did little things for me every day. I mean, he would have done big things too if I had asked for those grand gestures, <laughs> like those promposal kind of things. But um, every day he did something. He scraped the ice off my car. He made my coffee. Um, he put away the laundry, which I hated to do. Um, I'll wash it, but I won't put it away. <laughs> and um, I got so far behind in those gestures because John didn't really expect any gestures at all. And, um, and uh, journalism is a, can be a cruel business. I mean, n never crueler than today when they're called the enemies of the people and people come after them with, with weapons of, of murder. But, and, and, but people, and are, layoffs. Getting, yeah, people and, are getting laid off every day, downsizing. It's a, it's a cruel industry, and, um, and it's, uh, it, it's shrinking. Mm -hmm. And John said one day that um, he was afraid he might not be remembered as a sports writer. Mm -hmm. So when I saw those boxes of files, I knew I was going to make sure he was remembered as a sports writer. And mm. thanks to Georgetown and, and thanks to David Elfin, who's a area sports writer yep. who helped me finish this book. Um, I, we were able to make that happen. The, the book again is the capital of basketball. It's on the New York times holiday gift book guides. Um, it will be tweeted out excessively on my and and posted on my Facebook all weekend leading up to the release of this podcast because, well, it's a good book. And also, my book about Billy Mills isn't out yet, so I'm going to pimp yours and make right. sure people buy it um, for for the holidays. It's a great book. I uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess when I look at all this, um, I, I, I still say to myself, um, you there was something about your relationship with John and basketball that you could just sense when I spoke to you early. Um, in a in a way, I mean, you 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 guys met on Halloween night, right? Yes. By the way, did I tell ever tell you this? That's when me and my wife met. Oh wow! On yeah, Halloween we night. To go out and. Uh, oh and, yeah, you and got have a, a costume on, and you can be, be a little uh, more courageous meeting other people. Well, and I dressed as death, so that oh. wasn't very. You know, I, I sent her an email and cyberstalked her afterwards, and, <laughs> and, and and I said like, look, I was dressed as death. You probably thought I was creepy, but I thought you were really cool. Could we get, grab something? And she goes, well, 
you know, this is weird, but at least you weren't the guy dressed as a keg. He was really weird. So I'll meet you <laughs> for coffee. So, um, but, uh, were you, were you guys dressed up that night? No, you were, he was, he had covered a game or something for, for the diamond bag. John covered the North Carolina football game and Boomer Esiason took a blow to the head and was taken off the field on a stretcher. So after John filed his story, he went out to kind of, um, well, to get a beer and to worry about, um, Boomer because they had become friends with all the interviews they had done. Hmm. And, um, I was out for Halloween with my uh, roommate, and I have had nothing to wear except this awful fur, <laughs> fake fur, uh, old coat that my mother had made in the 60s. And and I threw it on with a miniskirt, and I decided that I would just be like a, an improperly dressed young lady. So that was, <laughs> so that was my costume. And... Uh, <laughs> And he came up and offered to buy me a Michelob. So um, my life changed. That what was that like? Um, when he came up, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, people, yeah, you don't have to don't give me all those People don't remember what Michelob was like. Well, you, you know John. John yeah. has been on the radio a lot. He's got a voice for radio. And he a has these sparkling blue eyes. And he came over and and told me in his radio voice that um, – that my journalism teacher talks about my writing a lot. Um, and, uh, and I said, well, I read your writing a lot. So that was the beginning of our romance. <laughs> um, they, uh, can you tell people the story as well that I, I have, but nobody else does because I got it out of you. You were actually seeing another John at the time. Oh gosh. Tell this story. Just fess up. Another. I think a lot of guys can be relate with this too. By the way, I, I was dating another journalism major named John, and he was a wonderful guy, and um, and he was a little commitment phobic. So, uh, but I love when like your roommate, he one comes to the door, and you want to find oh, out which what your roommate's oh, trying to find out which John. Well, we had one of those dormitory phones in the, <laughs> in 1981 where you had one phone for 17 girls and in the dorm and someone would yell John's on the phone. And I would think, Oh shoot, which one get the whole name. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I guess it, I didn't date John McNamara for a while. I, we had to figure out what to, you know, how to, whether our relationship was going to last. Mm -hmm. And um, he wasn't really interested in long-term relationships. So that, that decided that, and um, I started dating John. Mm. Uh, John McNamara, as we said earlier, passed away. He was killed in 2018 in the Capitol Gazette shooting. He did this uh, love of his life. Not only was Andrea, but his passion for basketball. He did this book. Uh, tell people how we can get it. I want to make sure that if, if you, if, oh, if the easiest way that if somebody were to go on a website and get it, how would they do so? Um, well, um, his blog at um, capitalofbasketball.com has not only a link to the order, um, but it also has a link to events. And uh, we have some more events coming up through December. And um, Coach Gary Williams has been at some, and hopefully he can schedule uh, his schedule to come to some others and autograph it because he wrote the forward. That was very nice of him. Um, we've had Johnny Holiday come and read excerpts in with his um, voice of Maryland <laughs> and 
and some other reporters as well. So if you want to catch an event or order a book, go to capitalofbasketball.com. And I may be in Columbia. This we, we this podcast cool. won't run until after that, but I may try and come by the Columbia uh, book signing on Sunday and uh, and read a passage because I, I be yeah I'd be honored. Uh, how are you? I know I know for years. I mean for the months after even we did the story. I loved your honesty. Uh, I'd call and you go, still sucks. Still and you were sucks. so, and you were still <laughs> honest. Uh, um, and I still, you know, it's, uh, it's still not that long since everything happened. It, well, this is, you're right. It's not that long. This is the second year and probably the first year, like a lot of people who suffer from a trauma, like gun violence, you're kind of in a fog for a while. Um, and somebody asked me how I felt recently, and I decided, you know, how I felt all over the year and a half has changed. And I said, you know what it's like to be standing on the bank of a river and looking out and everything's fine and people are picnicking on the grass. And then imagine all of a sudden the ground beneath you is just gone and you're yeah. in the river yeah. and you're up to your eyeballs in the river and you're gasping for air and trying to doggy paddle your way up to the top and you do that for a while and you look around and you realize there's hundreds of other people in this river trying not to drown with you and and that's really what it feels like I, I've met hundreds of gun violence survivors and we're all kind of drowning right in front of right in front of everybody on the banks of the river and they can't see us because we're underwater, but we're all there. It's uh, 300 Americans every day suffer from gun violence, and that doesn't even count their brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and husbands and wives. And um, and look for us, and you'll see us. And um, and Moms Demand Action folks, the volunteers there, contacted me and asked what I wanted to do, what how they could help me. And I decided they could help me by helping me do something. So if, if you have five minutes, if you have five hours, if you have five days, you can do something. So if you'll text READY to 64433, um, they'll, they'll let you know what you can do with that short amount of time you have. So text mm -hmm. READY to 64433, and let's uh, get these people out of the river and stop others mm -hmm. from joining us. Your work in the uh, your work in the gun safety prevention area uh, is incredible. Um, you, <laughs> we can even mention his name. It was a re local politician that um, was basically uh, he quit his uh, he basically uh, left office. Either he knew he was going to be voted out or he got sick of things. But a lot of it was because Andrea put pressure on him and others in the uh, gun safety community that this guy, th this guy refused to move on bills. He let his, t he let the time tick off the Annapolis Congress t um, clock and all of a sudden the session ends and you don't have a bill that was badly needed against long guns, against the, the gun, the gun that killed your husband basically. And so this guy, Bobby Zirkin, right. Was his name? Uh, uh uh, he's he's done, and we need to get more people like him out of him. He was he was he was a Democrat, but he could have been a Republican. It, this thing is apolitical to me. This thing for me is 
it's not about you know uh, right left anymore. It's sort of are you for uh, are, are you for gun safety prevention or are you for uh, are you for gun violence? Because this isn't about uh, the Second Amendment. It's about taking weapons away from people that are deranged and angry and sick and criminal and homicidal men. Like it's about just getting them, getting them out of their, those people's hands. And don't forget suicide too. A lot of these people who are injured with guns are temporarily suicidal. Um, impulses of suicide don't last. I mean, gun injuries do. Yeah. So, um, so yes, I, I, I objected not only because this bill failed, but because it failed secretly. And I think if politicians want to stand up for what they believe in and explain their votes, they shouldn't do it secretly. So I, I was happy to take it on and tell voters what happened and how. And the, the bill that's also going to be reintroduced in Maryland uh, and I think also a similar one in Virginia in 2020 will be a bill that makes it illegal for gun sellers to sell to people who are already disqualified. So it doesn't take guns away from anybody. It doesn't add anybody to a list. It just makes gun sellers have to check the list, which already exists. It's already online. Just pull it up and check to make sure they're not on it and then sell it to the hunter or the sportsman or the buyer after mm. they check that list. Uh, Andrea Shambly is my guest. Um, I don't even, she's so much more than the widow of John McNamara. In fact, if, if he were alive today and you said that, he'd go, no, 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 she's this, this, and this also. <laughs> uh, one of the things, and I, I got a little emotional a little bit ago when you were telling me because, and one thing that killed me about it is I, I think of all the marriages uh, either that I've come across. There's a very few people in my life that role modeled marriage, basically where where there was a partnership. It might have not been romantic comedy every night, but there was a genuine love there. You did things for each other that people wouldn't normally do because they really felt like that. It kills me more than anything that you could see that you guys that there was a, there was a genuine affection and love there, and and it was just it, I mean I want to say it was an idea idyllic marriage. But I love the story when you say, you know, your mom, you, you guys would say, oh, I, I love her. I, I love her more than she loves me. And your mom would be like, that's your argument. Like, they, <laughs> like you'd be, it was, sounded so corny, but it, that's a, that was your argument. Uh, it sounded pretty corny. Um, who loved who most? Um, and I would tease my mom that, that she loved John more than she loved me. <laughs> <laughs> and well, John was so unflappable and so consider it that um i could see why i mean i get agitated sometimes at the world and mm -hmm. uh and john was just so good about uh, about moving on to the to what was really important what do you um uh, people say move forward you don't move you don't you, you say you never move forward one of the great things you said when i asked you last spring i said like people always say what can i do for you you're, you're a trauma survivor. What, what do you need? Do you need people not to say those things? Do you need people just to do things? Um, I remember you told me not everybody wants to be hugged every now and then. Maybe you need to ask, or maybe I don't want to give you a hug today. Yeah, there, there were times when strangers 
said I needed a hug. And I thought, actually, I think the stranger is the one that needs a hug. And that's legitimate. I mean, our crazy world today, we could use some hugs sometimes. Right. But um, not everybody's in the mood for a hug every time. So I guess even if someone was in a mood for one the last time you saw them, maybe, you know, they, they got a piece of news that just... Uh, pulls the rug out from under them and they're not ready for that moment. So that is one thing. Um, but I think the main thing is um, call your legislator mm. and tell them if, if they support gun violence prevention, tell them thank you because they don't hear that enough. And they might wonder if they're doing what their constituents want. So call them. And if they don't support gun violence prevention, make them explain why. I, I mean, not every bill is perfect, so um, make them explain why. But, for example, the red flag laws, people said that, oh, the government's going to come charging into your house and take your guns, or your neighbor's going to get angry at you for not mowing your lawn, and they're going to turn you in. Hmm. Um, but the neighbor doesn't control whether you lose your guns or not. I mean, you, the judge decides. The judge figures out neighbor disputes all the time, every day. So... Um, so the reasons that I hear for a lot of these complaints about the bills just don't reflect reality. So, so hold their feet to the fire and ask them what's going on. You, um, you wrote this, you finished this book, Capital Basketball. You, you, I could talk to Andrea about anything, by the way, gun violence prevention, I, I could everything but like being an FDA lawyer. I don't, I don't have the grades to get into law school. I never um, did. Um, yeah. But uh, one of the I want to I want to wrap this up with a couple anecdotes about uh, their love not just for each other but for basketball. He'd take you to games, high school games on Friday night. Just you know, that out was of the, our date night. That was yeah. your date night. You'd go to high school game. He didn't even he wasn't even covering them sometimes. One night he came up to me and said he was going to a game tonight, and I was not surprised. But I asked him what this one was. And he said, the lady who cuts his hair has a son playing at our local high school. And and they talked about it, and he wants to go see her son play. Well, her son's now a Division II full ride scholarship playing college ball. I mean, he, he was a very good player. And it turned out his dad was a professional player named C.J. Rucker, who has a, a camp around here I in Washington. I think I heard of C.J. Rucker. Yeah, he played mostly in Europe, but he's, he's got a professional career. So John would find a common ground with anybody. And if it was basketball, all, all the better. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I figured I'd been to about 500 high school games because I, I covered it uh, for high school myself. Yeah. And, uh, and I went to all my nieces and nephews games, and yeah. I, I went with John. So quite a few. Yeah. I understand you. There's still a lot of sadness. Do you, do you fight back the tears a lot still, or is it one of those things where it comes and goes, and you you, you do that on your private time? Like that that there's there's a, there's a there's a time when you let yourself do that, and a time when you move forward and you say, I, I got the, I have to work today. Well, every day I tell myself I have to get some work done today, and some days it works. <laughs> mm. um, but. Um, uh, this holiday season is is pretty hard. I um, people warned me that the second Christmas is is pretty hard. I mean, John always wanted a real tree, and I didn't have the heart to get a real tree this year. Um, but my present is the book. 
and and the events we've had with the book that we're, we've had great turnout and um, and recognizable people talking about John and his work and and that means the world to me. Did you you didn't because did you get real trees before? Every that, year we got real trees. Uh, you just can't do it. This is I, not... this year. I just got a big poinsettia. <laughs> I remember the poinsettias from last year when I came visit. They were oh. it was March and they were still in the oh, place. They were still there. They were dead in the pot. Yeah. Uh, well, well, these these are fresh poinsettias, and the other ones that were in the pot came back, but they're not red because. Be, people out there wondering uh, why my guest uh, Andrea Shambly is so clear today. She's in my uh, house in my office because she lives about four miles away from me, right? Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, and she's never been here before, and. I guess you could say um, you're very impressed, aren't you? No, you're not. Actually. Of course I am. <laughs> Look at this microphone. It looks very professional. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you miss the most? What do you like? Just just things that uh, idiosyncrasies or just the notion that, you know. Well, um, John was very observant, like a good journalist should be. Um, I would come home and put stuff down wherever I could. And John would always note where my keys were. <laughs> where did I put my, you know, my leftover lunch? Oh my God, where I should did, have been married to him. Where did I put my coat? And um, so whenever I mislay something, I've gotten much better about putting the keys in the right spot now because I don't have anybody helping mm. me find them. Um, but whenever I lost something, John neither knew where it was or he would explain why it wasn't important to find it right away, and I could find it later. So now when I miss something and I, I don't know where it is, I get very upset that he's not there to make me feel okay about it. You, lastly, do you, um, have you had any words of advice for someone grieving out there dealing with something of this nature? You know, this is this goes beyond my usual podcast of losing a game or somebody that hasn't had the career they might not want or somebody. I mean, this is so much uh, more down the pipe of real life. Well, somebody pointed out to me that there's like you pointed out, there's really no moving forward. It, the emotion is really a spiral. So you're going out, you're going out further every time. But you come back and you cross over those same moments that you had last week and last month. And you think you had left that feeling behind and here it comes back at full speed. Mm. But you'll keep going around in that spiral and you'll get further and further away from that awful center. And, um, and that's important to know. And, and I think the other important thing is to get through that is to let people help. It's, it, it's so easy to just want to curl up in bed and hug your pillow all day and mm, and isolate order pizza which is really good um and finish that that tray of cookies but um let people help you um there are people who've been through this like me who want to help you and like the moms demand action volunteers and just the people who loved you and who loved the person you lost they want mm. to help you and let them help you. My guest was Andrea Shambly. I'm going to have her tell everybody how to get the book one more time to make sure we sell it. All right. On capitalofbasketball.com, 
come uh, order a book or or come to a, an appearance and we'll sign it for you. And and one of the other support groups out there, not as um, maybe organized, but are um, the sports writers uh, who knew John or didn't know John and they know what he went through, whether it was sending a story with acoustic couplers in the 80s or uh, waiting all night for a high school game to end that you were keeping your own stats for, whatever it was. Um, I, I kind of, in my own world, I always think journalism's dead. Um, and, and when I see stories like David Aldrich did of you in The Athletic and the USA Today story, um, th those, are, those are people that are affected by your story because in their own way, they kind of know who John was and went through professionally. And uh, I think there's a link, just like there's a link between the basketball and capital basketball, I think there's a link between scribes in this business in a weird so way. No, you know. I think so too. So thank you for being with us. This is really great. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thanks to my guest this week, Andrea Shambly. Andrea is co-author of The Capital Basketball, A History of D.C. Area High School Hoops, along with her late husband, John McNamara. Thanks, as always, to my producer, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Ben Wolfen, for making all the technical stuff work. Please check out our other weekly Pure Hoops media shows. The newly relaunched Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin drops each Wednesday. The Pure Hoops podcast with B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman drops each Friday. And Monica McNutt swings by each Thursday with buckets, boards, and blocks. I'm back every Monday. Please rate us, review us, and leave us some feedback. Until next week, aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.